Chapter 28. Dangerous Desires Commences with a quote by Chrysostom, the Archbishop of Constantinople in the 4th century AD. The rich man is not the one who has collected many possessions, but the one who needs few possessions. And the poor man is not the one who has no possessions, but the one who has many desires. Tag Hoya Some say it's German for day hour. Others say it means day this year. Still others say that Tag is an acronym, Techniques d'Avant-Garde, and that the watch brand's inventor was French, with the German surname Hoya. I don't know which is true, or even how to correctly pronounce Tag Hoya, but the company's advertising gurus certainly know how to speak my language. I had a decade in life where my business and humanitarian activities landed me in the world's airports far more than I was comfortable with. Some global roller coaster trips required visits to countries in Asia, Europe and North and South America, all in the space of just a few weeks. Jet lag and waking up in hotels not quite sure where on earth I was were both commonplace. Some trips allowed extended stays, whereas others required 30 hours of flying just to deliver a 40-minute presentation. I remember having to miss three days of snow skiing with my family just to do a 10-minute presentation in another country. Crazy! One of the less obvious side effects was the way that my heart's desires were changed from hours of wandering through carefully designed halls of consumerism, also known as airport duty-free shopping malls. Having been raised in a fairly frugal family, most of the advertising fell on deaf ears. I'd never owned the latest in electronics, fashion, luggage and aftershaves, and being a non-drinking non-smoker certainly made it easy to push my trolley past those slickly presented departments. But then there were those watch ads by Targ Hoyer. I'd like to think that I wasn't totally sucked in by some unconscious desire to be like the handsomely chiselled Formula One drivers, sportsmen and Hollywood actors whom they use in their advertisements. I thought of it more as a healthy appetite for quality timepieces that would help me to more effectively maintain my busy schedule and thereby be a very useful and practical investment. And surely the advertisements were speaking the truth when they stated, or implied, you can judge a man by his watch. What did my $50 plastic watch say about me? Hmm. Whichever way I looked at it, Targ Hoyer had me hooked. But there was a problem. Having worked for a number of years in the humanitarian sector, I knew the good that could be done for people in need with the money that I could easily blow on a watch. I just couldn't justify spending thousands of dollars on a timepiece when a $50 watch worked perfectly well. What to do? Well, I started the goal-setting game. Goals were second nature to me in business, so why not include them in my personal purchasing strategies? I told myself, if God continues to bless me financially, then when my income reaches XYZ, I'll be able to buy myself a Targ Hoyer with a clear conscience. After all, if God didn't want me to buy the watch, then he would simply halt my rapidly rising income just under XYZ, wouldn't he? Well, business was good and God is generous. So inevitably, I passed my income goal very quickly and off to the watch store I went. But I just couldn't do it. My income even went 10 times higher than my original goal, but I still couldn't justify the luxury. Now I had a real dilemma. The Targ Hoyer marketing executives had a hook in my lip, but God and the needs of others had a grip on my heart. I was torn, and the hook in my lip was hurting. 
Fortunately, I had a solution. If I gave XYZ dollars to charity, then I could justify spending a tiny percentage of that value on my watch. Done. I researched the charities, made the donations, and looked forward to my next duty-free shopping experience. Peace at last. Not only could I now truly justify buying my beloved watch, but my income was at a level where most self-respecting gentlemen would be buying Breitling, Longines, or Patek Philippe. My Targ Heuer, which I initially saw as an unnecessary luxury, had actually become a very modest, almost humbling investment. Well done, Julian. You deserve it. I cleared customs and went straight to the glass-topped counter that I knew so well. There it was. A sapphire blue face with sparkling silver surrounds, plus a band design that exuded, look at me, and the option of a more comfortable band that would be perfect for the jarring of my mountain bike rides. By this time, the numbers on the price tag were just spare change. I was ready to buy, at last. But I couldn't. What in heaven's name was wrong with me? I couldn't even bring myself to hold it in my hand. Pathetic. Lord, what do you want from me? What more do you want from me? I walked away thoroughly frustrated. How could I have an income in the top point zero whatever percent of society and yet not be able to have just one of the smaller luxuries it affords? It's not as though I was wanting a stable of Ferraris. In fact, I had purposefully not purchased fancy cars or a fancy home, so surely this tiny luxury would be okay. For months, I felt sorry for myself every time I walked by a high-end watch display or saw a Targ Heuer advert in a magazine. I can tell you from experience that there's absolutely no power in regularly admiring something that you desire while telling yourself, I want it, but I can't have it. I knew that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, as a very first step toward victory, I needed to avoid seeing the watches as much as possible. And if I did come across them, I needed to say, I can have it, but I don't want it. I needed to change my desires. Anyway, I kept trying to talk myself out of wanting the watch. I purposefully looked away every time I passed watch displays. Nothing worked. Finally, I prayed that God would take away my desire for the watch, that he would change my heart, my priorities, and my seemingly unquenchable thirst for a luxury watch. I had come to a point where I realized that I was allowing this insignificant piece of European metal and plastic to interfere with my daily walk with Christ. It was taking away my spiritual peace, and I decided that I wanted peace more than I wanted the watch. Mahatma Gandhi gave advice on how to decide between two objects that you desire when you know that one is negatively affecting the other. He said, Only give up a thing when you want some other condition so much that the thing no longer has any attraction for you, or when it seems to interfere with that which is more greatly desired. So I kept praying. And then one day it happened. I was walking through the duty-free section of Brisbane International Airport waiting for Qantas flight QF97 to Hong Kong. I walked right up to the Targ Heuer display counter, stared directly at my watch, and felt nothing. No attraction, no desire. Nothing at all, except an amazing thankfulness bubbling up like an alpine spring from somewhere inside me. 
I couldn't hold back the smile that broke out across my face. The sales lady must have thought that I was a guaranteed sale when she saw my obvious joy as I looked at her watches. Gone. Every last bit of desire was gone. The battle was over. I was at peace. It was such an incredible answer to prayer that I quickly stood out of the way of the busy crowds of travellers, pulled out my pocket notebook, and began to feverishly record my thoughts and feelings. I never wanted to forget that moment in time. 10 a.m., 10 June 2008. I've been too focused on money and business and wealth creation, so I've been asking God for a cleaned heart and mind. As much as I speak out against the devil's attractions of materialism, I really have been in its clutches, even without spending much. The devil's had my mind, but not my wallet. I can hardly believe what just happened. After years of drooling over Targ Heuer watches and an equally long time agonising over my seeming inability to bring myself to buy one, I just walked up to the watch counter and felt absolutely no desire at all to buy one. They have completely lost all their appeal to me. It's like the change came out of nowhere. No lead up, no slow draining away of my desire. Just gone. Thank you, Lord for answering my prayers. You truly are an almighty, wonderful God. Thank you. Thank you. What's your Tag Heuer? What's this seemingly unquenchable desire that you're struggling with? What is it that is filling your heart and messing with your spiritual peace of mind? Is there some thing in this world for which you have a deep yearning, but your conscience says otherwise? It might be a watch, a car, a home, a job, a vacation or even a person. If we wish to have a close relationship with Jesus, then we, like the rich young ruler, need to cut away everything and anything that, if held onto, could undermine that relationship. Jesus obviously thought that this cutting away of anything that besets us was important too. In Matthew 18, verses 8 and 9, he said, If your hand or foot causes you to stumble... Cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. Ouch! That's a pretty graphic portrayal of the importance of addressing the issue. My battle with the watch taught me something that I would never have believed had I not experienced it firsthand. God is able not only to change our bad habits, our errant behaviours and our destructive lifestyle choices, these are certainly challenging things to remove and often even painful, but he is able over and above all these things to take away our errant desires. The desires of our hearts are so much deeper than our wants and our wishes. Desire, often fueled by years of exposure to advertising and peer or societal expectations, boils up from the heart itself. And yet, I give testimony to the miracle that God performed in my life. He painlessly and silently removed my wrong desire. And I didn't even feel it. I just had to let go and let God take over. I had to let God pluck the Targ Heuer desires out of my heart and immediately replace it with his desires. What a blessing. 
As the 19th century Presbyterian pastor Thomas Chalmers so wisely suggested, the only way to dispossess the heart of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. I encourage you to stop listening right now. Think about the Targ Hoya in your life. Then take the time to get down on your knees and ask God to remove that desire from your heart. Ask him to fill your heart to the brim with his love and his desires. Pray about it now, and if need be, regularly, and believe that he has taken it away until the desire is gone.